Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camero here with episode 32 of the Tutor Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about mood hoovers and time vampires. The people who make a nuisance of themselves, sucking the life force out of you and swallowing up your precious time with trivia and irrelevance. Right, let's get cracking. First things first, what are mood hoovers? Well, to me, the mood hoovers are the downers who suck the optimism out of you. They're the people who've got so little enthusiasm, energy and life in them that you want to plug them in at the mains to spark them up a little bit. Now, this might upset a few of you, but you get the people you settle for in life and in your business. You may have to eliminate a few folks if you can't manage your interactions with them. So that's what we'll be talking about today, how to either eliminate them, but better to manage your interactions so you can keep the good stuff too. Now, this can be pretty tricky if they're family and friends. It can be very tricky if it's your spouse or partner. But before we go any further, I want you to always remember that this is a person you love. Now, if the person you love is a dodo, keep on loving your dodo. Please keep caring for your dodo. Nurture and cherish your dodo. But don't try to persuade the dodo to fly. Because that's not what dodos do. So apart from family and friends, you're, and you're maybe a spouse or partner, there'll be other people around you. And a frequent mood hoover is an associate that you've outgrown. Maybe an old friend or a business partner where interests are now divergent. And I think... We have to be particularly aware of spending time with anyone around us who makes negative comments about successful people. Because you can bet your bottom dollar that what they say about successful people now is what they'll say about you when you become successful. Now, as entrepreneurs, I think it's fair that we should always remember that as far as mood hoovers go, they are on a different path to us. They're usually highly risk averse and operating from a basis of fear and scarcity. That means they're not going to be very entrepreneurial. They usually will be unsuccessful, often with low expectations and aspirations for life. This makes them generally quite unhappy people. They're always up for a pity party and they will always try to rope you in when things are going badly for them by inviting you to compete in a game of Oh, you think that's bad? Guess what happened to me? The game of one downsmanship. Now I know a few inherently negative people and when they're telling me how bad things are and that stuff won't work, I think they're genuinely trying to help me by taking care of caution for me. It's very noble, but it isn't helping me very much. Maybe they're just trying to temper my naturally optimistic nature. But I bear in mind, they're usually speaking from a very different perspective from mine. Frequently, they'll tell me what I should and what I should not do. 
based on a complete absence of experience, a total lack of expertise, a thorough absence of any understanding of the situation, and zero passion for what it is that I'm trying to do. I'll give them the minimum amount of airtime necessary, and I'll just politely get on and do what I have to do. When they tell me, and when people tell you, you can't, and it's not going to work, it just means that they don't know how to do it. So when people show up and say shit like, you're too driven, you're too materialistic, you work too hard, I want you to bear in mind that all of these twos are just normative language. They're suggestions and attempts to enforce acceptable behaviours. Normative terms, normative language, is the language of control and influence. That's their calibration point, not yours. I once actually went out with a lady who told me I was too happy. That didn't go very well. Something I do know about mood hoovers is they go on a holiday to escape their reality. If you're like me and that you have a real passion for teaching, then you'll want to return to reality as quickly as possible because it's usually better than your holiday. And the mood hoovers will believe what they believe and, and you're not going to be able to influence them because they're going to be very deeply entrenched beliefs acquired over the course of a lifetime. They'll be very resistant to change because they're not based on hard evidence. That makes them immune to logic and not susceptible to reasonable argument. So my advice is just don't even try. You can always point them at what you think might help them, but don't attempt to drag them along with you because they will just resist every step of the way, bawling and bellyaching and moaning. Now, their resistance can sometimes turn vicious when it becomes obvious that they're wrong. They will defend their positions and sometimes they'll lash out on a personal basis. That can be quite unpleasant. Remember what Dwight Eisenhower says, you can't push a string. So your best bet is simply to press on ahead and give them an example. Fell the string out behind and see if they pull it. So that's mood hoovers. The despondent sinkholes of energy and your mood will vacuum the will to live right out of you. So let's go and have a look at the time vampires. In the same way that your friendly neighbourhood mood hoover will suck the life force right out of you, the time vampire will suck away the lifeblood of your time. These are the people who show up unannounced and just talk complete waffle. They go on and on about stuff that's somehow important to them, but totally bloody irrelevant to you. Think of people who show up and talk about TV shows that you don't watch, or football that you don't watch, and have absolutely no interest in. They'll tell you how terrible it is that there's been a disastrous event in some other country, the other side of the world, that you have no interest in and no influence over. It's a complete waste of time and effort. We have to keep this sort of thing at bay so that we can focus on the things that produce results for us. So the time vampires will also bring you their problems. They'll ask you what to do. They'll listen to your suggestions. They might even make a few notes, but then they'll tell you that your ideas won't work. Time vampires generally don't want your help. 
They just want you to reinforce their prejudices and give them a second opinion, telling them that they're right. They will often try to bully or manipulate you to do things for them. If you're doing things for them, you can't get on and do the most important things for you and for your business. So we need to develop a few strategies and tactics to handle the mood hoovers and the time vampires. And these techniques tend to work for both of them. The very most important thing of all is to quarantine yourself away from the mood hoovers and the time vampires by making yourself hard to reach. This means screen the calls, but only if you absolutely, positively cannot turn the phone completely off. So here's a big hint. Turn the bloody phone off. If turning the phone off is unthinkable, at least consider putting the phone in a different part of the house. My own phone spends a great deal of time in the car's cubby hole, down in the shed, or on the spice rack in the kitchen, all of which are invisible from my desk, my recording studio console, or my teaching room. I'll get to the phone when it suits me. Not when it bleeps, because I can't hear it, and I can't see it. Now, if I can't hear it and I can't see it, then to me it doesn't really exist and I can get on with doing important things. One of the things that's vitally important for us to do is to master the time in order to master the mood hoovers and the time vampires. I generally limit the hours when I'm open to communication. For instance, I will very rarely pick the phone up during my normal working hours, which are generally from one o'clock in the afternoon through till about 10 in the evening. I will never receive other people's calls or private calls or answer non-business emails during work time. It's very rarely going to be life and death. It's non-essential. So unless it's work-based stuff, don't even touch it. I've made it abundantly clear that business time is for business. And if people want to show up or call just to shoot the breeze, then they'll have to call back another time. I'll often ask them to call back just before a student or client arrives because that gives me a genuine reason for hanging up after a short period of time talking to them. So they'll get to the point faster because they know there's a deadline on the call. Now, if you're foolish enough to actually answer their calls, start the conversation with, I only have a few minutes and stick to it. You must end the call when those few minutes are up. If you struggle with this, tell them that now isn't a good time, but you'll call them right back. Who knows, you might remember to call them back, maybe. Next, discourage people from visiting without warning. And if they do drop in, try and keep them on the doorstep. Don't let them in the house, because it'll be very hard to get rid of them once they're in. It's almost like being infested with some vermin. Always say no to their requests for you to do stuff for them if it's going to encroach on your time to do things that are more important to you. If you have almost no chance of escape, one of the great gambits I know for dealing with requests for help and assistance and problem solving is I ask them to show me their research and planning on the big problem they're trying to saddle me with. The chances are they won't have any at all. So decline to discuss the matter until you've got all the data and the pertinent facts and their planning in front of you. You can be pretty sure they won't show up with any of those things again. 
And it's perfectly reasonable to do this because without the background, without the research and without knowing what their plans are, you're just guessing. And you'd rather not waste their time with guesses, would you? So we're actually inverting their wasting our time into us wasting their time. This is one of my favourites. Hide the car. I sometimes park my own car around the corner in a quiet cul-de-sac and then walk home. Because prospective drop-in visitors assume that I'm out if my car is not in the drive. And they leave me undisturbed to get on with important work like planning the next podcast, blogging, preparing lessons, marketing, writing, all of which are more fun than dealing with casual visitors, reeking negativity and oozing the ability to suck time out of me. If that fails, turn off the doorbell. Remember to have a long-term aim to manage your encounters with the mood hoovers and the time vampires, to wean them off you. If you don't play ball with them, they'll usually go and find some other mug who will. Now, please don't interpret this as a chart of a callousness. It isn't. I'm all about defining the boundaries within which I'll interact with other people. We have to train them to know what's acceptable to us. Because if we don't train them, nothing will change. And that problem person will continue to hoover out your positivity, steal chunks of your time, and leave you feeling deflated and defeated. And remember that it's your choice. You're always choosing what happens. So take control of the situation. Post a guard around your time and energy and keep the mood hoovers and the time vampires at bay while you crack on with the really good stuff that will make you more successful and more profitable. Well, that's my 10 cents worth on the mood hoovers and the time vampires. Why don't you let me know what caught your ear in this episode and how you get on putting the ideas to work in your own business. If you've got any strategies or tactics that you've used to repel mood hoovers and handle time vampires, send them in to me. Please, because I'm here to learn too. Just send anything you've got to info at neilcamado.com. In the next episode, we'll be talking about holiday planning for your tutoring business. Since holidays are the bane of many a tutor's life, when voids knock holes in your schedule and your cash flow drops off a cliff. So I'll be all about maintaining your cash flow, minimising disruption and making the most of the downtime. Take a look at this now in October, so we've got plenty of time to think about it for Christmas. Until then, remember, subscribe to the Tudor Podcast and get all the updates and all of the tips to help you to start, grow and love your tutoring business. So join me, Neil Camero, for the next episode of The Tutor Podcast. Have a fabulous day. Get in touch with The Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and The Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.